John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 12. And then we're going to pray, go into it, get some worship, and then we're going to hit up Applebee's, everybody. John chapter 12. It says this, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival of Passover heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your kingdom, your king, excuse me, is coming. Seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified. So once he was crucified and resurrected, then a light bulb, boop. Then they realized that the things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisee, Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. I love that. Look at how the whole world has gone after him. This morning, if you are taking notes, I want to talk to you briefly from the subject, Please save us. Please save us. Save us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Jesus, today is such a monumentous, significant day in history. And so I pray, God, that within these next moments together, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored. Holy Spirit, we recognize you today as our guest of honor in this place. And so we say, do what only you can do. Because we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better. But not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. So we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said amen. Amen. Have you ever walked into a room and all of a sudden just all the focus and all the attention just went on you? Anybody? No, yeah, some like just this, this, like you walk into the room and it just it erupts. People are like, oh! <laughs> now if that's never happened to you. I'm sorry, because it just recently happened to me. Now I'm going to share this with you. For those of you that know, I do music at a school here in the Katadi Ronan Park Unified School District, CRP USD. Hello. And, um, and, and so I do music for uh, TK all the way through second grade. And I don't want to brag, but I'm somewhat of a rock star on that campus. Shut up. I'm, I'm, somewhat, I'm somewhat like a rock star, so much so that when I step onto campus, the kids, they say, Mr. John, Mr. John, you're my favorite singer. You're my favorite guitar player. And I'm like, I stop. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. And you probably are thinking, John, you're overreacting, okay? But I'm not. It's true. In fact, 
my youngest, Sammy, who is four, about to be five, he experienced the power of my fans. I mean, students. <laughs> and so one day, we, uh, it was like a couple months back, I had to drop some lunch off to my daughter because she forgot her lunch at home, and I'm just a good dad, and uh, that is not about the story. And so it was my son and I, we're going on campus. We got to drop off her lunch, and so he's holding my hand. And I said, buddy, you want to see something cool? And so, uh, so we're walking, and I purposely walked in front of the area where all of my fans eat their lunch. And, uh, and as we're walking, I'm, I'm holding his hand. I hear from a distance, hey, look, it's Mr. John. Mr. John, is that Mr. John? It's Mr. John. I kid you not. And then all of a sudden, you, they begin to get more vocal. They said, Mr. John! And then one person got up and came to give me a hug, and I, you know, gave him a hug. And then another person got up and gave me a hug, and I'm like, oh, I see. Watch this, Sammy. And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, God is my witness. If I'm lying, strike me down right now, God. All of a sudden, every student sitting down swarms me. And they're like, ah! I felt like the Beatles, y'all. Like, they came and they were latching themselves on me. And they're like, Mr. John, you're my favorite singer. They're going crazy. The lunch teachers on duty, they started blowing their whistles. Sit down, sit down. And I'm like getting knocked all around. I'm almost knocked off my feet. God is my witness. And all of a sudden, I realize I don't feel my son's hand in my hand anymore. And I'm like, holy smokes, where did my son go? And I'm looking through my fans, like, where did, where did he go? And I turn around, and my son is like 10 feet away from me, all by himself, just standing confused. <laughs> because there was no room for him. There was no place for him. Because the crowd enveloped his daddy. Now, here's why I tell you that. A, because it's a really cool story. <laughs> but even more so, when I read what we read in John chapter 12, I instantly went to this moment. I instantly went to the moment of, of thinking, man, I, I totally get this whole crowd vibe thing. But what's interesting is that no matter, despite how, how, how this, these, these kids made me feel, despite how many kids were there, it fails in comparison, pales in comparison to what Jesus experienced in John chapter 12 with the crowd. And it's a very interesting story of what took place. And, and just a brief recap, we just read it, but a brief recap is, is, is Jesus, he, he, he knows that he, it's his time, his time is coming. So he tells his disciples, he says, hey, hey guys, I, I got a, a little errand for you to do. Um, will you please go to the town ahead and, gra and, and find me a colt? One that no one has ever ridden on. Like, just, just find me a brand new colt, and will you bring it to me? Now, this sounds like a real holy moment, 
But I'm sure that if I was Peter or John, I'm thinking, like, you going to give us some money? You're not going to give us money. Okay. And then we read it in Scripture. They said, well, if someone asks when they see us stealing this donkey, uh, what do we tell him? And Jesus tells him, he he says, uh, just tell him that the Lord requests it. And so uh, imagine, imagine if I'm like, hey, we don't got Colts, but we got Mustangs. I'm like, hey, man, like, there's a Mustang in Applebee's parking lot. Be blessed, go grab it for me. I need it. You're thinking, what? That's crazy. And yet the disciples, they went to grab the colt. And what I find very interesting about this moment is that in this, in this, in this, this space of when Jesus is about to be honored by riding through, uh, through town, I love how he allows you and I to play a part. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so, it's so cool to think that Jesus was about to, to be exalted through all these crowds of people, and yet he said, hey, disciples, I want you to be part of this process. In fact, the only reason, only way I'm going to have a donkey to ride into town with is because you are willing to go and get it, that you're willing to be part of the process. And I find it so interesting and so, so uh, just, just encouraging the fact that Jesus wants you to partner with him so that he can be glorified, so that he can be honored. And so they bring back this, this colt, this, this donkey to Jesus, and the scripture, the text that we just read, says that they took their cloaks, they put it on the donkey, and then they put Jesus on the donkey, and Jesus was riding through town on his way to Jerusalem on this donkey that they had. And as they were, as they were, were, were I was going to say driving, as they're riding into this town, the crowd begins to gather around them. All of a sudden, the, the, this crowd, they begin to throw their cloaks on the ground. They, they begin to throw the palm branches on the ground. And within this crowd, there's a, it's a very eclectic group of people. Because within this, this giant crowd that is swarming Jesus, we have some people who, who were Jesus' followers. And so this, this, these people in the, in the crowd, the, those that were followers of Jesus, they, they, would, have, they would have been very um, aware of the miracles that Jesus has done. They're the ones that they saw Jesus fix a blind man's eyes. They would have been the ones that would have saw Jesus walking on water. They were the ones that saw Jesus feed the multitude out of fish and bread. And so in this crowd, there were some people who were very aware of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he can do. But in this text, we also read that there were people in the crowd who uh, were just there because they heard about what Jesus was doing. There were some people that that were in the crowd that, that were only there because they heard of this guy, Jesus, that spoke to his cousin who was dead in the tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And all of a sudden, someone who was dead is now alive. And they just wanted to see the person that said it. I would want to see that person, too. And so here, here they are, like, they heard about the miracles of Jesus, and they're like, I got to go see who this Jesus person is. 
There are also other people uh, who were there for the festival of Passover. It was, it was the time in which um, everyone, uh, 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 all the Jews would come and, and go to Jerusalem to bring an offering, a sacrifice, a remembering really of, of uh, the Passover when, when uh, the angel of death had passed over the, the Israelites that had the, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And, and, and they celebrated this as remembering of how God spared their lives, how God passed over. And so there's all kinds of people in this crowd. Those that are followers, those who have just heard stuff. There's even Pharisees in this crowd. You know, like the real spiritual people. And this group of people are here in, in this crowd of, of different social class, different economical class, different, different uh, spiritual status. All these people made up this diverse crowd of people. And yet, within the diversity of this crowd of people, there was one common theme that would have been resonated throughout each and every person that was there. And this common theme is this, that they needed a hero. They wanted a hero. Come on, Bonnie Tyler. I need a hero. Yeah, that was her theme song. I'm holding out for a hero. Nope, nobody? Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Shout to the Lord. You know, I don't know. Know your audience, John. <laughs> They needed a hero. Every single person, every single Jewish person, they were looking for a hero. They needed a hero. They were looking for a hero. And what's interesting is that they saw Jesus as that hero. They saw Jesus. They're like, that's the hero. That's who we've been waiting for. Some of the religious leaders, they're like, I don't know if that's the guy. But majority of the people in the crowd, they're like, that's probably the guy. He's doing all kinds of miracles. That is probably the guy that we're looking for, the guy that would be our hero. And so in response, because they, 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 they projected Jesus as their hero, their inclination was to say, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Now, the English word Hosanna doesn't do justice to what that word really means. In fact, most scholars believe that the word Hosanna is, is a transliteration of two Greek words. The first word is Yasha and Anna. The second word is Anna. And the word Yasha means save us. The word Anna is like please, like pleading. And so that word Hosanna, its literal definition is, please save us. So here's Jesus. He's riding through town. 
And all of a sudden, people are like, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're saying, please save us. Please save us. And their yells and their cries were one of desperation, or excuse me, one of adoration. There's our hero. But it was also one of desperation. We need help. And they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, help us please. Help us please. We need a hero. Help us please. The only problem was that, yes, Jesus was the hero. But we would later discover that Jesus wasn't the hero that they wanted. But he was the hero that they needed. That Jesus wasn't the hero that they wanted, but he was the one that they needed. Let me explain. Every Jewish individual in that moment and in that time, they would have been familiar with the idea of a Messiah coming to save them. That they would have been raised knowing that from the youngest of age that we are waiting for our hero to arrive. The only problem is, is that they were waiting for a hero of a that, that was made up of powerful, political, and militant leader. So they were waiting for some, for, some, for some leader to come in that would free them from the tyranny of the Roman Empire. They, they, were, they were looking for the hero that would come and that would destroy the, the, the bondage in which they found themselves in. And so they would say, Jesus, there's Jesus. There's the, ones that, there's the one that is going to save us from our misery, that's going to save us from oppression, that's going to save us from Rome. However, Jesus didn't come to abolish brick and mortar. Jesus didn't come to overthrow brick and mortar kingdom. Jesus came to overthrow the hardened heart. Jesus came to overthrow the perverse mind. Jesus came to, 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 to fix the chasm between humanity and who God is. And so Jesus wasn't necessarily the hero that they wanted, but he was definitely the hero that they needed. Friends, can I propose to you that Jesus is not just a hero that you want, but in fact, he's the hero that you need. He's the hero that you need, the one that can make a difference where no other person, no other substance can make a difference. He's the one that you need. But they were looking, this crowd was looking for a hero, not of what they need, but what they wanted. And I think this is very important to grasp. Because when I just viewed Jesus as the hero of what I want, and I neglect him as the hero that I need, dangerous things happen. See, because this crowd, because they, 
they misinterpreted the hero who Jesus was. This crowd, they went from Hosanna to crucify him. They said, Hosanna, you're Jesus. You're the one that saves me. You're the one that I need. Excuse me, you're the one that, you're the one that we've been wanting. You're the one that we've been, we've been waiting for. But when I don't understand that Jesus is not just the God of my wants, but he's more so even a God of what I need, all of a sudden the perspective shifted. And all of a sudden, Hosanna became crucify him. And now it's real easy for us to, to sit back to read this text and be like, oh, these guys are pathetic. They were just saying we need a hero. They were just proclaiming Jesus as, as, their, as the one to save and their hero. How dare they? And it's so easy for us to sit back and read this and then all of a sudden be like, oh, wait a second. Oh, how easy it is for me to turn my back on Jesus when he doesn't fulfill the things that I want and I completely neglect him for the things that I need. Oh, how simple it is. And Jesus, he's, he's, the ride, he's riding through town and And, and they begin to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Not realizing, not realizing the hero of who Jesus wants to become. Friends, Jesus wants to be the hero over your wants. Please don't get me wrong. He understands what you want. But it's our human inclination to always put what we want ahead of what we need. It is our human inclination to always neglect the things that we need in order to elevate the things that we want. And so Jesus, he wants to be the hero of your wants. But even more so, he wants to be the hero of your needs. See, I know whatever it is in, in your life, you, whatever you're wanting, whatever you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be the hero for this new job that I'm wanting. And Jesus is like, I hear you. I hear what you want. First, I, I need you to develop patience. I need you to develop patience because once I elevate your status and your occupation, you're going to be over people who are going to bug you. And your character right now will not be able to sustain the stage in which you're asking for. See, I know, I know you want that, that, that house or that car, and Jesus wants to be the hero of that thing. But even before he becomes the hero of your want, he needs to be the hero of your trust. 
of you taking care of what he's given you right now. And so Jesus, he wants to be the hero of your want, but he first wants to become the hero of your need. And perhaps the greatest need that humanity would ever need is the restoration between our broken soul and the God who created us. And so I'm done. The band's going to come up and they're going to play some real cool music in the background, make me sound more holy. <laughs> but it works, so it shut up, <laughs> you know? Here's what we're going we're gonna to pray is that Jesus would be the hero of our lives. Now, within this, this room, I'm sure that there's people who are on different places and stages in their walk with Jesus. There's some people who you, you may feel like you're good, like your, your position of, of the hero and how you see Jesus is good, that he, he, he's not just the hero of your want, but he's also the hero of your need. There's some people who at one point, maybe even last week, you're like, Jesus, you're going to be the hero of my need. And then like, you just had a sucky week. And you're like, ah, I need a hero. Maybe, maybe there's some in this room today, you've never, ever, made Jesus the hero of your life. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be the boss or the Lord of my life. And before he ever wants to do the wants, he, he wants to do something in here. He wants to do something in here. So that it unlocks what you see through here.